Richard Lawson and welcome to the first ever edition of the Journalism Today podcast from the Media Innovation Studio at the University of Central Lancashire. Bit of a mouthful that. And this podcast is where you'll find the liveliest journalists, the smartest academics and maybe even the most diligent hard-working students. All of them will be talking about the future of journalism. In this, the first episode, we're looking at podcasting, which I keep telling everyone is everything I love about radio, only better. And you're going to hear from three extraordinary people. The man who runs Twitter in Europe, the Middle East and Africa, Bruce Daisley, also has an amazing business podcast. It's called Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat. Bruce will tell us how he first came up with that idea, why he reckons short podcasts are the best, and the extraordinary relationship he's got going with his listeners, from travel agents and mums going back to work, to people working in different parts of the NHS. We'll also hear from the very well-dressed Dino Sophos. I wanted to speak to Dino because he launched the BrexitCast podcast, which, I promise, makes sense of Brexit in a way that doesn't send you to sleep and makes you feel like a better person all round. Dino will give us his really interesting thoughts on whether podcasts really are a way to reach younger listeners. And last of all, we've got the most charming man in radio, Chris Warburton. He presents the true crime podcast Beyond Reasonable Doubt, Chris will tell us how podcasts are really quite different from traditional radio. It seems podcast listeners remember more and they get more involved in what they're listening to. Please do email us if you want to. Our address is journalismtodaypodcast, or one word, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So first off anyway, let's hear from Bruce Daisley. I started by asking Bruce how he came up with the idea of doing his own podcast, Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat. Yeah, I mean, look, I started off, off from the perspective of, of I was curious about something, and my podcast is specifically about making work more enjoyable or, or bringing some of the fun back to work. And I started really from the perspective, I had no ambition to do a podcast, but I was looking for books on the topic, and uh, I couldn't find anything that I was interested in. So I, I basically sort of won... November two years ago hatched a plan thinking oh maybe I'll I'll sort of I'll contact people to to get their opinions on on work culture and um and record it and and sort of do six podcasts so it came from that really it came from an interest in this in the topic um and I think I'm fortunate because it's something of a niche so even though I've I've not done any podcasts for sort of the last six weeks, it's still at about number 40 in the iTunes business charts. So, so even when I've, I've not necessarily got episodes going out, it feels like it's got a timeless quality that's got a niche to it. And when you came, when you were thinking about the name and the approach, I mean, did you do a lot of thinking about that, how you want it to feel, or did that just evolve as you got on with it? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the name I sort of... Um, I came up with pretty quickly. I think I changed the format um, a little bit when I was going. So I just decided that if I was going to do it, I needed to commit to doing at least six. And before I put one out, I'd recorded five of them. So so I knew even if even if you know it died and I got no response from anyone, I only needed to do one more, and and I'd fulfilled the the promise that I'd made to myself. And it, the the format did evolve. So initially, I used to have 
an interview with like an academic or an expert and then me talking about that interview with someone in the studio and it just it actually just it made the production time go up by sort of a multiple of three or four really so by by stripping the format back and into something that I could do myself um, once I'd done the interview with someone it just made it easier for me to fulfill so so it's definitely evolved as time has gone on I mean, most of my work's at the BBC and, you know, we spend forever trying to think up new, brave, original ideas. Sounds like this was much more organic. But, but have you got any advice, though, for anyone who's trying to think up an idea for a completely new podcast, how you'd even start going about that? Yeah, um, uh, for me, look, you know, what are the lessons of my stuff that I, I knew um, as I was sitting about it that I had a list, a wish list of 20 people I wanted to talk to. So I thought, OK, well, if... If there's 20 people there, then that gives me that gives me sort of runway ahead. And then what happened was, because I'd started going, people I interviewed said, oh, you need to chat to this guy, or you need to chat to this woman. And so that helped. So I think just giving yourself a broad enough scope of territory and that you've got um, areas that you can expand into, but also that you can... F- you can create a sense of this feels like it's relevant for your podcast theme uh, and on topic. And I know from talking to you that you, you love kind of traditional radio, the kind of stuff that, that, that I do in my day job. Uh, is podcasting very different in your view or are you thinking a bit about, you know, what you hear on LBC and the BBC and, you know, traditional radio in the world? Yeah, I, I split podcasts into sort of two different forms, really. These the very highly produced often American podcasts where, you know, there's often with someone with a bit of vocal fry and a music bed and there's a lot of cuts. And, you know, that is a really sophisticated form of podcasting. And then there's something that's rather more raw that's normally two people talking. And the and so I see myself in that second camp. But I think the critical thing for me is that I've found, and the data bears this out, is that, you know, there's an advantage in brevity. So what you often find, there's a lot of those American podcasts, that, that there's a lot of the two-voice podcasts that seem to come from a school of, of radio broadcasts, but, you know, they're like two hours long. You put some of the, the big shows on, and they feel like a talk radio presenter just trying to, you know, to wind down the clock. Um, if you look at the stats of how those shows are listened to, though, the average person only listens to 25 minutes of each podcast. And you probably recognize that in your own listening. You know, there's the back half of some shows you never get to. And so having that in your mind when you're putting something together, thinking, I always think if I go over half an hour, there's got to be a good reason to go over half an hour. And, you know, if, if I'm hitting an hour, it's got to be, you've got to have asked yourself, could you have edited this down? That's, that's really interesting because I do actually listen through to two hours of some things. I'm like, you know, I've moved house recently, so I'm taking things out of one box and arranged in another room and, you know, just the endless things you have to do. And two hours later, I've been quite pleased to listen. Okay. To just one thing, but it's you're, just, t- you're telling you me the data is that that isn't how it works, actually. Most yeah, people aren't right. like I mean, me. Yes, yeah, so, so Apple give you access to some podcast stats. Then uh, my podcast is served by Acast, and they give you access to a lot of podcast stats. And what you see throughout is that people tend to listen. I mean, you'll be disappointed, but people <laughs> on average across the whole of podcasts tend to listen to about 15, 20 minutes right. of a podcast. 
it's you know um i think you lose over half the audience by the the half hour stage so you know so i recognize there are times when you're completely lost in the zone but some of those big, you know, Tim, Tim Ferriss can be like an hour and a half, and that Joe Rogan can be an hour and a half, and, and long, long shows like that do tend to li- have a lot of drop-off from them. Well, that's really interesting on the data. And I mean, do you yeah. have a, a theory about kind of what the the medium is, you know, what really makes a good podcast work? Yeah, I mean, look, audio is just the most beautifully intimate medium in the world, isn't it? So, So whether it's someone listening to you know, five live all day or whether it's someone in their car listening to uh, a podcast, you just feel like someone's talking directly to you and and that's the power of it, the benefit of it. So quite often, I, I've tried multiple ways to get people to give me feedback. What happens is generally, based on my experience, um, when you give out an email on air, you get very little response. Um, I occasionally people invite people to tweet me and I get an, an occasional response there and I've, I've also said to people look why don't you link into me and I get quite a lot of LinkedIn uh, comments and connections I don't know whether that's because people think oh I'll add him to my LinkedIn that'll be good um, but uh, I get a lot of comments on LinkedIn and it's people generally saying you know I was having a tough time at work or uh, I was sort of struggling for ideas and you really helped there so so getting feedback from people is often is often difficult you know you, you get more anecdotal feedback sort of face-to-face people bumping into you than uh than the the lines ever lighting up that's interesting i think when we talk about podcasts at the bbc some of the research uh shows that people are using them for mood management to mm. to use the it's kind of a, an awful phrase but you know that's when i've had a hard day at work not to embarrass you bruce but sometimes if i do listen to your podcast it does just make me think all right i can have some perspective on, yeah. on this is that kind of do you think it is about really putting someone in a mood sometimes with a successful podcast yeah I, I really do i mean look you know mine specifically is how you can cope with work enjoy work or you know learn things about work and you know so for example um more than about five times people have come up to me women have come up to me and said i was getting ready to go back to work after maternity and by listening to five or six of your podcasts it's helped me prepare for that and think about how I can sort of use this opportunity to go back with sort of a fresher approach. So so I think, you know, the mood management is a critical thing. People almost sort of downloading information and inspiration into them. Have you been surprised by that kind of relationship with your audience to hear things like that? Yeah, I mean, look, when it first started, and, and look, I've done about 55 episodes or something now. Uh, when it first started, obviously the, the people that you're first getting listening to you are people you know and and I tend to be very wary of praise you know it like if someone you know says it's good you're like okay do they really believe that but then you know when I was get contacted by a guy who owns a travel agent in Bristol or someone who works yeah. in the NHS in in Middlesbrough or um, someone who runs uh, you know the the ambulance service in Warrington. Th- then you're thinking, okay, well this is this is connecting to people who don't even they've never met me, they've never heard of me, they you know they don't know anything about me other than they've encountered it. Um, so that's where I love it, where you sort of feel like, you know, these people don't necessarily know who I am, but there's enough in what they're experiencing to make them to make them listen again. So that, that's that's like an incredibly um, incredibly fulfilling experience, truth be told. 
So that's Bruce Daisley, who does the Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat podcast. And for another perspective, I got in touch with an old colleague and friend of mine. I said earlier that Dino Sophos is a well-dressed man. He's always got an impressively cool jacket on, leather or otherwise, and he created the podcast known as Brexit Cast. It's about Brexit, funnily <laughs> enough, given the, uh, <laughs> given yeah, the yeah, title. Yeah. And it's about, really, the kind of ins and outs of the negotiations. Um, and obviously, it's a hugely, hugely complicated subject with lots of twists and turns and to sort of help the audience wade through the murky waters because, uh, you know, we, we created this podcast and I think for a lot of people, they kind of catch things about votes in Parliament and about, you know, uh, stumbling blocks in the negotiations. They sort of catch these headlines in the news or they see a headline on the sort of newspaper on the bus as they're going home and and i think it's just so bloody complicated i think a lot of people just get put off because there's a lot of assumed knowledge and a lot of kind of um it's a very quickly moving story so i think a lot of people sort of give up with it <laughs> because they think oh bloody hell it's too complicated are you looking for younger listeners when you do this is that something that's on your mind uh yeah um we definitely are as as everyone in the kind of media is and I think we definitely do have that in mind. So, but that goes back to what I'm saying about, um, you know, just kind of showing our workings, not assuming any knowledge, talking to people in plain English. And also, the great thing about a podcast is you can have a bit of fun and you can talk and, and it can be a bit more sort of personable and we create a bit of a community and it's a nice listen. So it's not quite, it's not like a stodgy, you know, news item. There's a bit of, there's some personality in there. There are, you know, it's Adam in his ring binders and, and everybody taking the piss out of that a bit. And the fact that Adam's a bit geeky with all this sort of stuff. Um, and, and just showing the kind of, you know, because obviously this podcast, we have our political editor, our Europe editor, hugely, hugely busy people. And, we allow the audience kind of behind the scenes access to them. So they will just come straight out of the edit suite of the six o'clock news or straight out of an interview with Theresa May um, or Barnier or somebody will, you know, briefing with Barnier and they'll sit down and kind of dump what they've just learned um, in a very digestible form in front of the audience. So, so in a way, um, you know, that, that makes it a lot more appealing, I think, for younger audiences because I think younger audiences do want to to see our workings a bit more they don't just want the kind of you know the end result laid out in kind of boring newspeak they want people to explain how we how how this you know if there's if there is a, a breakthrough in negotiations well how did we get there and what does that really mean and what was sacrificed in the in the kind of process to get there you know they want to see that detail because i think sometimes we cancel patronise younger audiences and assume that they don't want detail. And actually, you know, they, re they, they really do want detail. They are prepared to sit and listen to half an hour of a podcast or, um, you know, watch YouTube uh, document. You know, I've, like I've just been watching Barnier, uh, the Vice interview with Barnier. Now, that's, that's not a short bit of content. That's quite a long bit of content. And it's only been up a few hours and it's had 80,000 views already. So there are younger audiences out there who want to consume this stuff, but it's just about presenting it in a way that they understand and they identify with i've always wanted to ask you this actually why did you decide to do it in, in the first place um 
Well, so we, we actually came out of a podcast called Election Cast, which was um, the 2017 election. We kind of did a daily podcast. So I kind of thought, you know, there, there were lots of people. I'd been wanting to do one for a while because I think, you know, we obviously have the best broadcasting talent and the best, some of the best access and some of the best journalists in the country in that office in Westminster. And when I went to my podcast app, I was kind of listening to podcasts from newspapers. You know, they're not natural broadcasters. They, they, some of them don't have, <laughs> have a brilliant way with words on text, but not when it comes to broadcasting. Um, they don't understand how to do radio, as it were. Um, and I was listening to those, and I think, bloody hell. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's very frustrating that we don't do something like this because we could do it much better, quite frankly. Um, so I twisted people's arms to let us do it. Um, Five Live were great in terms of uh, commission, let, letting us have a go and commissioning it. Um, there was a big, obviously, it was a huge, huge um, task to, con- to, t- to get, sort of twist people's arms sort of higher up the food chain in terms of, of, of management to say, you know, can we have the political editor or deputy political editor or this political correspondent for half an hour to sit in a studio and just chat. But eventually, I, kind of, I think they kind of got why it was a good thing to do um, because the audience feedback on that was, was brilliant. We had a lot of people tuning in um, every day to kind of get the same thing we do in Brexit cast, really, kind of what's going on behind the headlines, behind the kind of battle buses and all that, like what is really happening here? What, what are... What are, what are ministers briefing our big political brains at the BBC? What are they hearing? And that, that was kind of really valuable content. Um, and then the election came to an end, and we kind of realised that, you know, there was this huge rumbling, the biggest political story, you know, for this generation was kind of was developing, and, and, and it was going to be kind of a a big event in British political life and the news for the next two years at least. So we kind of thought, well, look, we've got a model that works. Why don't we try and do that for, do it for Brexit? Um, I realised actually what was really nice was the sort of familiarity of certain voices. And Chris has kind of um, established himself as one of the regular voices on election. Chris Mason. Chris Mason, yeah. So he'd established himself as one of the regular presenters. Um, he was very good at it. He kind of got the tone straight away, got what we wanted from the podcast, got that we wanted. We didn't want just somebody to come on and just kind of regurgitate what they'd done in a, in a radio but in a news bulletin or in a BBC News Channel two-way or anything like that. He, we wanted a bit more depth and a bit more detail, a bit more of the nitty-gritty. Um, and then we kind of thought, well, look, you know, if we're going to do we're going to do uh, Brexit, we need somebody in Brussels. And who is that? And luckily, just by, by fate, Adam Fleming um, had just been appointed a Brussels reporter and had moved out, out there. He, he was formerly um, a, uh, rep- a reporter on the Daily Politics. And funnily enough, he'd actually done student radio with Chris. So they go back a long way. And we kind of thought, well, look, this would be really nice. And we, we'd done some um, uh, Adam's election broom cupboard when he was at Daily Politics, which was kind of like a YouTube video where we did, uh, we went through the kind of the week, the highlights of the week's news in a more chatty, informal uh, setting with some guests. And it was quite podcasty, but it was visual. And I just knew straight away that Adam 
it's immensely funny, very clever, and was going to be living and breathing this story. So quite frankly, there wasn't anybody better for that. So we started with those two. And once we started, it was, this is the thing about podcasts, I think, and this is the beauty of them, is you don't necessarily have to, you have to come up with a pitch. You have to know what you're setting out to do. But you don't, it's not set in stone. It's not like when you start doing a podcast, that's what it's got to be like for, um, you know, the next two years. If you're planning on doing a kind of long, you know, a a long-term weekly or daily or whatever podcast, you know, you you can experiment. You can get things, you can allow for, for things to go wrong and then rectify them. You can try things out. And you've really got to do that, actually. You've got to not be afraid to stick your neck out and go, well, why don't we try this? Because quite frankly, what's the worst thing that, that can happen? And especially one of the beauties with podcasts is um, that, you know, you pre-record it, right? So there's so many things that we try on podcasts that never make it to the final thing. As a rule, mm-hmm. I try and just press record and I try not to produce them too much, actually. Apart from, like once, once, we, once everyone's sat in the studio and we've agreed, like what we're kind of going, what we're going to do that day. Most of the time, it's obvious. We don't try and produce it too much. But if somebody says something um, and it's not not suitable for broadcast on the BBC um, or in, in a, you know in a BBC podcast, then we'll just take it out. You know, that's one of the great things about it. So it's not like we're doing live radio. So we can afford to have a bit more fun be a bit more loose-lipped, kind of take off the BBC straight jacket a bit and just relax and have a bit more fun. Um, when, you know, and we have all our BBC compliance uh, protocols in place. So, you know, I'll listen to it. I'll produce it in the studio. I'll get a second pair of ears across it. And, of course, everybody, all those presenters are hugely experienced. So if somebody's kind of not happy with with something they said or has gone stepped over the line into kind of maybe a bit too too much sort of like, um, not opinion, but maybe giving a little bit too much kind of um, straying into sort of more like LBC territory, maybe. Very rarely that happens. It's happened a couple so of it's times. It's a question of tone, is it, maybe? Yeah, it's yeah. tone. Because it's we're, we, we're fighting this battle, which is we're trying to get the, to the tone where it is a conversation. And sometimes in a conversation, you will you will... When the conversation's flowing, somebody will say something that you, you perhaps go, you know, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have said that, actually. Maybe that's not for the BBC to be putting out there. Um, so, but, but, you know, the beauty is we have that safety net as a pre-record. So that's, so that's great. And so that was Dino Sophos from BrexitCast. I first met Dino when he was a conventional radio producer. And something that I must say particularly interests me is that relationship between radio and podcasts. How are they too similar? How are they different? So I asked another BBC colleague, Chris Warburton, to talk to me for this episode. Chris has worked in radio for longer than me, for nearly two decades, and he's also the presenter of the Beyond Reasonable Doubt podcast. As we sat in the canteen at work, eating our sandwiches, I began by asking Chris to explain how that podcast came about. I was sitting there one day, and Jonathan Wall, the controller of Five Live, said to me, I want you to watch a documentary the French one called The Staircase made by some French directors which has now been a big Netflix hit albeit with added episodes but then it was a ten part series I think and I said alright <laughs> and he uh, he loved it and then I said 
all right, I'll get going with this. And um, I watched about four episodes in one afternoon. And I was coming back into work the next day, and he texted me. And I remember I was on the tram. Normally I drive in. I was on the tram watching the fifth episode. And I think four episodes of one thing in one day isn't actually that lack of showing that much of a lack of commitment. Um, but he said, um, have you watched it all yet? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm watching the fifth episode. And he said, well, I want you to have finished it all by lunchtime because I might send you to America in a couple of days. And I was like, oh shit, I better watch it then. Um, and, uh, you know, it's... Uh, mm. He loved it and was kind of totally fascinated by it. And as I watched it, I thought, yeah, it's a bloody good story. The thing that I wasn't totally aware of by that point was that it was a... Despite it being an old story, despite a big documentary being made about it, it was on Storyville on the BBC, it was an alive story as well. And that's why he felt there was more for us to do on it. I mean, something I didn't know about you until today was you've what, been in the Five Life for 17 years? So, 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 as what, editor, presenter, or, so what a done, loser. You've done, <laughs> I've done like 14 <laughs> years at the BBC, so I'm near, near Unbelievable. the loser stakes. But I mean, so you've done traditional radio, loads of it, and there's this big debate, you know, is is podcasting very different from, is it just an extension of all that kind of stuff? How did you find, you know, doing your first podcast to be? Was it really different from radio or I mean, not so much? At the heart of it, it's about great storytelling. It's about strong characters, mm. right? Um we're always looking for good voices when we're reporting on the news. Now, a lot of the time, you know, news kind of makes itself. You know, if you're talking about rolling events or whatever, which we've been used to for years, you know, doing news production or presenting or whatever at Five Live. Um, obviously, if you want to kind of illustrate an issue, a story that's in the media at that moment in time, then you still want the best talkers, you know, the most compelling characters that you can find. And that's an... In, an integral ingredient of what makes good radio. Yeah. Clearly this is a slightly different proposition because it's not the news, it's more like a documentary, right? You know, So it's a, it's a different proposition. And um, However, I, I still think the fundamentals are the same in terms of the journalism that you're applying, You know, the fact-checking, the people you're speaking to, the balance, the um, integrity of the piece, you know, all of that. But the difference, you know, there, there, were, there were still big differences in it as well. And I think I'm doing a different podcast at the moment, which is a more traditional uh, piece of work in a sense. It's eight. More traditional podcast or more traditional radio? Mm, no, I wouldn't say traditional podcast. I'd say a more traditional, yeah, piece of radio, audio offering, however you want to put it, right? Um, but that's a kind of polished eight-episode piece which you know I suppose not stylistically but in a way you could sort of see it as an eight part eight parter on I don't want to say Radio 4 but if, if Five Live did that sort of thing then it could fit in quite easily there you know um, whereas beyond reasonable doubt we were kind of taking the listeners with us during the process and we were kind of you know people would say to me all the time so how many episodes is it going to be and I'd say 
know. <laughs> because we didn't know. Radio, isn't we didn't you know. know. You know your number of episodes well, if you're doing a doc. If you went to, you imagine going to a commissioning editor yeah. with an idea for a documentary and they say, how many how many episodes is it? And you go, uh, I don't know. Who are you speaking to? And you go, not really sure yet. And your episodes um, different lengths as well, weren't you? Yeah, which, which, is, radio, which, is, yeah. which is a kind of luxury in a way as well. But also, it doesn't matter. The listeners, I didn't have any... All right, we had some early feedback that we had got things wrong, but that was partly because of the... Um, what was offered to us in terms of uh, anyway there were there were there were some difficulties around the audio that we thought we were going to be getting and blah 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 at the beginning which meant that we had quite short early episodes which meant that they were too repetitious and i always say to people try and just get through the first episodes first four episodes because they ain't the best and then it gets better um in the bath of things mm, but i don't think i had to linger on that. <laughs> but i don't think i had anybody sort of saying oh god you know one minute it was 20 minute episode the next minute it was a 40 minute episode you know what are you guys playing at no one expects that with podcasts you know there are some differences in some to- totally but also it was it was when things weren't working out for us on a particular you know avenue of inquiry we would tell the listener you know we would say well we, you know we really want to get that person but it's not happening we'll let you know if it does and there was loads of sort of examples of that so you know to show you working a bit more yeah well. oh totally you know you you, you are pulling back the curtain of the production process in a way that we've never traditionally done, I don't think. Um, you know, maybe a, a kind of Louis Theroux will do that kind of thing, and, and you've been used to it with that kind of laconic style, but yeah, I don't think it's something that's been particularly traditional in BBC Radio. Um, and then it's also sort of outlining to the listener what you're trying to achieve. You know, you're not just sort of laying down an episode and then saying, uh, next episode we're going to hear X, Y, and Z. It's kind of like, look, what what we ideally want to try and do over the next two or three episodes is is X, and this is the reason why. Let's see if it happens, <laughs> and then it doesn't always happen. So you know, but that's interesting, right? You know. Something I keep reading and hearing is that the podcast has a whole new relationship with the listener. You get to talk mm-hmm. to the listener, and mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, where we work, you know, for twenty years, we yeah. tried to talk to the listener through some good and not so good phone-ins through texts and emails and all the rest so I was thinking is it really so different and I just want you know being a podcaster yourself what, what have you found do you get to know the people listening to you in a, in a whole new way the thing that I've found strange I mean I think you're right because um, you know you're right with what you say about Five Live we've always had a very honest and uh, constant dialogue with our listeners however you know that tends to be from from one story to the next not always because sometimes we'll follow the progress of a particular set of circumstances Victoria Derbyshire's program always used to do that brilliantly you know a listener calling up who had an alcohol problem and then you know they kept in contact with that person and uh eventually you know it, it resulted in that person's death from alcoholism and uh you know that was that was pretty amazing radio, and and it's that sort of trust and whatever that enables that to happen. The thing that I've found uh, kind of really odd about this is normally when you go and do something on the radio, you might get comment about it for you know 24 hours maybe, or or, or if I've kind of done the best things I've ever done in, in in my radio career, you know, if I've kind of done some stuff at like the World Cup or the Olympics, or uh, you know, I I I, I did this um, amazing thing where. Um, you remember I broadcast from a heart transplant operation, which was mental, yeah, you know, and amazing. Um, but 
everyone forgets. I think everyone talked about that, even that, for about two weeks. And that, but that was amazing. It was like people coming up to me saying da 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 da, all the rest of it. And then it's kind of like forgotten unless you bring it up or whatever. Whereas this, it's gone on for like a year and a half, and people have got so involved and the level of knowledge from listeners on the story because they get as involved as they would if they were reading a book or if they had watched a series you know that they've absolutely loved they've gone away and researched their own sort of questions around it because there's such information out there or whatever on you know google and whatnot um they've then come back to us with questions really informed questions which at times when we were even producing the podcast would prompt us to look in a particular direction and maybe there was things that we thought okay yeah maybe that deserves more time maybe that deserves more of our digging around or whatever you know um so yeah i think that i think the listeners on a story like ours do become particularly as we were still making it as we were broadcasting it they become an integral part of of the kind of production process in a sense and that was chris warburton the presenter of beyond reasonable doubt And that's it for the first episode of Journalism Today. I hope you found it interesting and we'll have loads of amazing interviews to come in future episodes. Again, please do drop us a line if you want to get in touch at Journalism Today Podcast. That's all one word. Journalism Today Podcast at gmail.com. And say whatever you like. Give us praise. Give us love. Give us your indifference. If you like, give us some outright hostility. But bye bye for now. See you next time. The music for this podcast was provided by Poddington Bear.